Hi, and welcome to episode 150 of No Crying in Baseball, the Wakanda Forever episode. My name's Patty. I'm here with my friend Potty Mouth. Hi, Potty Mouth. Hey, we're not even started and you're going to make me cry right here. I, I'm like double crying, one for 150. Oh my God. And then Wakanda Forever. Oh. Yeah. So we lost Chadwick Boseman this week. Uh, he was, of course, Black Panther, which is very important to us and our families. But also he portrayed Jackie Robinson in the really great movie 42 and really put a dagger in our hearts by passing away on the day that MLB recognizes Jackie Robinson or recognized Jackie Robinson this season. So it was even more emotional than it would have been. But um, Chadwick Boseman, um, we're going to pour one out for you because you meant a lot to my family and my world. And thank you for that. Absolutely. I'm raising my beer can right now to you in cheers. Cheers. And has it always been the wearing the 42 all weekend? Because no, no other teams didn't do it. We're going to talk about oh. that in a little bit, actually. So it's really just for when Jackie Robinson Day is observed, which is usually in April. Um, but of course, because of the season, it was they picked this date. Um, but usually it's just that game. But some teams decided to keep going all weekend long. All weekend long. So I've been, it's the the Nationals and the Red Sox that I have been glued to this weekend because those are my two teams, right? My team of birth and my team of choice. And I realized I was feeling super weird watching the games because I was watching the Red Sox feed. It was at Fenway, but there were these guys that I saw so much last year because we've had Nats season half season tickets for the past two years. And my whole world was kind of mushing together. And I had to look it up to realize like why I was feeling so weird about it. And it turns out that the Red Sox and the Nats have only met 18 times total, including this weekend, which is, but I mean, yeah, American league and national league, but that's sort of like an extra bit of that's why I've been feeling so weird. And the other thing, too, is that of those 18 games, most are happened before I officially declared myself as uh-huh. a Nats fan because that came somewhere around 2016, I think. Like I've been, you know, following them and getting used to them since they started, but it took a while. And, and a little bit of arguing with Mr. Potty Mouth, if you remember in the beginning, to actually say, you know what? This is our B team, <laughs> like our official B team. <laughs> we're getting these half season tickets and we're going. So since my tipping point, and I, I wrote down 2050, I don't know, 15 or 16, they played three games together in 2018 at Nats Park. So, and I believe, I'm not sure if we saw one or I know we saw one with my brother in law, but it might have been two. And then now, and so I'm not used to listening to my Nesson announcers talk about the Nats and it's and it's adorable because like apparently Red Sox fans don't know things like Trey Turner's really fast, you know, like they're just the way that they talk about it or the Soto Shuffle, like it's like something novel. And I'm like, hey, hey, folks, I totally know about this. So it, it was a fun series, totally fun series. The other thing that was fun about it was I was watching the Nats feed, of course, and they were fascinated with Fenway Park. And they spent a lot of time introducing, you know, Nats fans to the things that make Fenway historic and special. And, um, you know, FP, one of the commentators was reflecting on playing there for the first time and like watching like the young Nats, like, like Soto and Robles kind of go exploring in the outfield and check out the like what's inside the monster, what's inside the scoreboard and all of that. And so it it was very fun to kind of see like both ends of that, like depending on what you're listening to, what kind of, what kind of information you're getting. I should go back and listen to that feed because it would be super fun to see that from the other side. And and both the first two games, I was kind of like, I'm just going to enjoy every play because honestly, neither team is doing stellar this year. Oh, it was a battle of the basement. It really was. Yeah. It was very sad. <laughs> so, so I was kind of like, why, why bother rooting for somebody until today, until I got that text from you that said my baseball boyfriend which is what we do on this podcast. And we pick baseball boyfriends. We'll talk about that a little bit later, I think maybe. But the guy that I picked for the Red Sox this year, Bobby Dahlbeck, because we made a point this year to pick Red Sox who had not been playing 
under any suspicious circumstances last year. I picked up Bobby Dahlbeck and then he didn't appear. And I thought, ah, that was a shit pick for me this year. You text me that he's coming. He's up. I run to the game. I watch his first at bat where he struck out. I believe he struck out. And I thought, oh, better luck next time. And his next at bat, he had a home run. So uh, thank you for like waking me up and making sure that, well, not literally waking me up, but getting my attention on the game so that I could see my Red Sox baseball boyfriend, my innocent, hopefully Red Sox baseball boyfriend, little guy hit his first home run at Fenway Park. What a cool thing. I'm always here for you. On today's show, we are so happy to welcome our friends from the Cup of Cubby Blue podcast, Sarah Sanchez and Andy Cruz Vanasek. We're going to talk about all things Cubbies, including this historic week for racial justice actions in the world of professional sports, where teams and players and ownership handled and also mishandled some opportunities. We're also going to talk to you about some trade deadline action, some bubbles, COVID, and better tarp ads. And as always, we're going to close with international baseball. So first, let's start with a big thing that happened this week. This was huge. And this got a lot of people's attention. We um, we and Major League Baseball and the other professional leagues are not sticking to sports this week because there are things that are just too important. And let's use this sports league platform to make sure people are talking about these issues. And this week on Wednesday, the Bucks made a team decision to not play their playoff games as NBA for those of you who are very MLB centric. <laughs> uh, so this, this is, this is the basketball. This is the hoops version of sports ball decided they were not going to play on Wednesday to protest the police shooting of Jacob Blake in Kenosha, Wisconsin, the brewers back to baseball followed very quickly behind them and decided to also not play that day. And please use the word strike. When we're talking about this, not boycott, words matter. A strike is a stoppage of work. And these are employees saying we're not going to work today because of this issue. We are protesting this issue. So we are, in fact, on strike. The best thing about this was teams had conversations with each other. Anything that happened as far as what teams did to acknowledge this police shooting and, and, and support the protest came they're all player led the teams talked to each other and made decisions as a team largely about what it, what it is they were going to do to show support or unity or respect or how whatever they chose as what it is they're going to do the one of the really good examples was um was Mookie Betts of the Dodgers I know mm. it's still hard to say that I know, it, I know. I, yeah wow that sounds weird but um Pookie, as we call him, said, I'm not going to play, and here's why. And his Dodger teammates said, if you're not going to play, we're not going to play because we're a team, and this is now important to all of us. You saying this made this important to all of us. And you know who – Clayton Kershaw specifically said that. Mm -hmm. that, And and he singled out Mookie Betts. Like if Mookie's not playing, then I'm not going to play, and that's the way that teammates should be, right? It is. And unfortunately, that wasn't the case um, throughout the whole league. Mm -hmm. Um, We're going to talk with our Cup of Cubby Blue friends about what happened with the Cubs and Jason Hayward, but also um, with the Cardinals. Dexter Fowler and Jack Flaherty both said, we're not playing. And the rest of the team played. And they said, oh, you know, we stand behind you. But what they meant by that is you guys sit alone. We're going to be on the field. And that's a that's a bad take. That's mm-hmm. a bad take. You got to stick together, my friends. Jack Flaherty was especially um, emotional and clear and action oriented when he gave his statement. I don't know if you saw this, but he said, Mm-mm. "You know, this starts with me. I need to do more." You know, he's a member of the Players Alliance. He does community work. One of the things he's working on right now is making Bush Stadium a, a polling place for Fantastic. St. Louis. Um, the Cardinals have not yet heard back if if that's going to happen. He's talking about giving uh, money to Dominic Smith's um, charity, his foundation. Dominic Smith, if you haven't, we're going to link to his statement. He was in tears talking very personally about how um, how this situation has affected him his whole life and 
the thing that makes him so emotional is that people just don't care. No matter what happens or how often this happens, people aren't changing their minds. And he says, I just don't want to see it happen to my kids. And that's so key is, is the kids, that next level. Yeah, no, that's it. And that's one of the things that, that got Jack Flaherty for sure. He's like, okay, I know his kids. And mm-hmm. this is this is this is not okay. Um, you know, Jack, uh, Flaherty's experience is a little bit different than Dominic Smith's, but still, this affects all of them. So, there, Dominic Smith actually influenced a lot of people across the world of sports. He's been hearing from uh, athletes from other leagues as well. So he inspired a lot of people, and a lot of teams took action the next day. Some teams were already mm-hmm. playing when the Brewers made their right. decision. Some said it's 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 too close. Let's let's but but they did it the next day. Some of the the, the misfire, the biggest misfire that wasn't the player-led misfire was with the Mets, where um the general manager um Brody, oh my gosh, Oof. said was was basically caught on a hot mic. Yeah, two weeks mm-hmm. in a row, two hot mics in a row, right? Talking about how he said Rob Manfred's idea was okay, let's do this moment of silence and have everybody walk off the field and come back an hour later and play the game. And then Manfred, well, and then Brody said, oh, I apologize. I had it wrong. It was really the chief operating officer, Jeff Wilpon, who suggested that. I don't mean to disparage Rob Manfred. So like for oh. 10 seconds, I was like, go Brody, expose, like the emperor has no clothes. Go, go do this. Say, you know, say this is wrong. And then he apologized. So I don't know what actually happened, but that was a bad take. I don't know that 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 Mike bit looked very honest. I mean, he really did say this came from Rob. He did. And I would go with that as opposed to the after the fact, once the shit hits the fan excuse for what really happened. And it seems I mean, he's talking about orchestrating something so that it looks like you've made a statement, but that he doesn't want to fuck with. We only have sixty games. I mean, there's they're already doing you know yeah. double headers and triple headers, and and Manfred being very like micro focused on that, and maybe not necessarily interested in making a bigger action. It makes sense. I don't know. Makes sense. This these actions ran right up against Jackie Robinson Day, which this year was celebrated this past Friday, and so a. A lot of teams acknowledge or they, they they had actions that then reflected the fact that it was also Jackie Robinson Day. The Players Alliance, which we've talked about a couple times before, their very specific action was we're donating our salaries from Thursday and Friday to help organizations that are fighting racial injustice, police brutality, and these things. That's a very concrete thing. The Mets wow. and the Marlins, who didn't act, you know, see above um, mm-hmm. on Wednesday. On their Thursday game, they all took the field and had a 42-second, the Jackie Robinson number, moment of silence, and then all left the field and didn't play, and they left behind a Black Lives Matter t-shirt. So that was moving. And, you know, so there were teams that then made up for it the next day that couldn't deal with it immediately. Yeah, that video is totally worth watching. And the, the Red Sox were one of those teams, and unfortunately... They waited until the last moment and they were playing the Blue Jays. And there was a lot of wondering what's going to happen with the Red Sox, who, as we all know, have a lot of racist history to make up for. And at this point, now that they've lost Mookie, Jackie Bradley Jr. is feeling like a lot of spotlight on him. And you should not have to do that to an African-American player to hold them responsible for whether you're going to play or not. And our people, he was, he had said from the get-go, he's not going to play. So the question was, is the rest of the team going to deal with this? And one thing that I said on Twitter is, you know, say what you want about Alex Cora. I understand that there's a lot of it's implication, of course, with the Houston stuff, which is why he was suspended and how much he's responsible for what happened with cheating on the Red Sox. But I, I loved him in so many ways. And he, this would not have been an issue with him, if I believe, if he had been still in charge. He would have held the team in the right standing. But to give Ron Renicki a little bit of credit or a lot of bit of credit because he was catching a little bit of shit when players were going back and forth in this, he said... I hope when a kid turns on the TV tonight and asks his parents why the Red Sox aren't playing, I hope they have serious discussions with them about why. So thank you, Renicky, for saying the right thing. I guess it's kind of finally at that time, but 
that's that's what this is all about, right? That's why I mean, the sports figures have a different connection with society with people than politicians do. So the the fact that they are speaking out is going to have so much more of an impact than if it were your congressperson or things like that. And these conversations are actually a really good outcome, whether they're happening in person, whether they're happening among the team, or whether Mm -hmm. they're happening on Twitter, for instance, which isn't really a conversation, but a lot of these players were taking crap from a lot of people about not playing. And the players were were calling that out and saying, see, you're talking about this. You're engaging about this issue right now. So we are, in fact, doing the right thing. So, you know, have this conversation. But, you know, this, this is real. This is important. This is absolutely real. Cleveland Professional Sports, the baseball team and the Cleveland Browns, the football team um, and the Cavaliers, the NBA team, have united in an alliance, which I think is pretty cool. And they're hoping is going to be a model for other cities. And their quote is, the alliance is meant to develop a sustainable and direct strategy to address social injustice facing the city and all Northeast Ohio communities. Um, Interesting fact is the the general manager of the Browns is one of only two black general managers in the NFL. Hmm. Which is shocking. Uh, So he's been actually very active for a long time. He, um, after uh, the the murder of of George Floyd, he said he he tried to get his his players and other coaches and other managers to pick something to do, some action to take, whether that's donate some money or donate some time or speak out or whatever action it is, commit to an action. So he's been doing this for a long time. And I think um, the idea of bringing all of the professional sports leagues in Cleveland together to act is a good one. So I'm hoping good things come of that. And there's a lot of, there's a lot of action across sports leagues this week. Yeah. A little bit of uh, of cross training. I was honestly shocked that the NHL canceled their playoffs that night. It was Thursday night. Because hockey, you know, is not the most diverse of sports, and they have not been really clear on that kind of action for this. They had the, what, like, arms linking, but there was that whole discussion we had a few weeks ago about whether or not you can kneel on skates, and Camden said, sure, I can kneel on skates, they could kneel on skates, but they actually canceled night of hockey playoffs. They took a lot of crap up until that point. I don't know if they would have done that without hue and cry about why haven't you already made this move. So good. So everybody stay loud, stay loud, because if you're on that side, and I'm sure you are because you're listening to us, you would have been sick of us by now if you you weren't. Um, We got to stay loud. We got to stay loud. Of course, basketball has been on the forefront of this. I really love what the NBA did, because when you talk about a strike, there's, there's actually been a little bit of debate here and there among lawyers about if it really constitutes to strike because you don't have specific demands that the ownership is going to to meet, at least in the baseball situation. But in basketball, it's much closer to a strike because they did keep the demand that the arenas had to be polling places for them to come back to work. So that they, they got. So basketball arenas will be, will be polling places, apparently. That's fantastic. And just um, before you go on with the other leagues, real quick, uh, Nats Park and also Dodger Stadium are have both been um, approved as polling places for this election in November. I don't know if other than Bush Stadium, if other stadiums or um, other sports venues are working on it, but I'm really pleased to see that these big giant venues are going to be available to make socially distant, safer in-person voting possible. Yeah, that is, especially the baseball stadiums that are outdoors. That's a fantastic thing. And we all know that when more people vote, the result is better and more fair for what this country is now and what we stand for. WNBA, I think they should get the award, uh, just the all-time racial justice award, because they're so strong. They're totally out there. They canceled all games for two days, they had a candlelight vigil. They were all in the first uh, photo op, for lack of a better way to say it, that every single woman player was wearing an Arrest the Cops that that shot Breonna Taylor shirt. Interestingly, our Washington Mystics, yay, champion Washington Mystics, had uh, 
the letters of Blake, what everybody had a different letter on their shirt on the front so that it spelled out his name. And, and it's, I can't even say it. It's really chilling. They had bullet holes in the back of their shirts. So this, I mean, they're, they're out there saying this is real. This is life and death that's going on right now. Don't turn away. Don't look away. This is what we're trying to get across to you. These are strong women. And I absolutely admire them. And that league in particular when other leagues were saying you can opt out for health reasons, if you have an approved health reason, the WNBA said, or you can opt out if you want to spend the season working on racial justice issues. I and have some to people pay more did. Attention. Yeah. I have to pay more attention. Uh, Major League Soccer, interesting, also joined in. The one tweet that caught my eye was they had their official statement. That said, Major League Soccer has made the decision to postpone the remaining five matches scheduled for this evening. And Mark Anthony Kay of the Los Angeles uh, FC, I should have written it down, football club. I think that's what the L.A. team is, uh, said, we as players made this decision. Fix this. Give the right narrative. So that's matter. Right, right. Like, don't take as a league, don't take credit for something that the players put together and decided to do. Words do matter. That is really important. But to give the LAFC credit, if you open their webpage, it's a big justice for Jacob Blake banner as soon as you go into their webpage. I, anything that makes all of these professional sports leagues stand up and take notice, and in some cases, actually unify and work together you know, is seriously important and demands attention. And I'm glad attention must be paid. Yeah, I feel weird sort of transitioning back now into our little minor, like little baseball and trade deadline and stuff happening today because it's a trade deadline or not even trade. So Brock Holt, who was on the World Series winning 2018 Red Sox and played a major role, was released by the Brewers a few days ago. And picked up by the Nationals today. And I just want to give a little woot woot celebration for that and tell you of the many ways that I love Brock Holt and that the Nationals are going to love Brock Holt. And I, I really hope he does well because he, he had a bad record with the Brewers because they didn't let him play, basically. He had... So he was batting like 100, but he had something like 16 at-bats. I mean, it was just such a small number. And so I felt like it was very unfair. And then the other unfair was the Red Sox letting him go at the end of the year last year. I mean, what the fuck? So this is the guy. He has hit for the cycle twice. So I believe, and I don't know if anybody else has said this or tweeted this now, I believe that the Nationals now will be the only, definitely the only current team, but I'm wondering if it's the only team in history to have two players on the team who have hit for the cycle twice, Trey Turner and Brock Holt, because there are only 26 people who have hit for the cycle more than once, period. It might be more than that. Brock was number 26, so maybe there have been a couple since then, but it's a small number. So I think that's pretty cool for the Nationals. And the coolest thing about his second cycle, of course... As, and I'm going to get all giggly is because it was against the Yankees in the 2018 <laughs> American League Division Series, and it was in a blowout, right? So it was at the point, and I, I didn't write down the score. Fuck it. It was like a bazillion to one or something like that. And so the Yankees had gone to position players pitching. So the guy that pitched was the catcher, Austin Romine. And all that was left was the home run. And Brock was like, I am going for it. And at that point, he didn't know that he was going to be the first and I think only player at this point to hit for the cycle in the postseason. And he just went for it and he nailed it. And that's the kind of guy Brock Holt is. But beyond that, he is serious baseball boyfriend material. He dedicated himself to the Jimmy Fund in Boston, which is the children's cancer charity. And Red Sox, the Red Sox have a very close relationship with the Jimmy Fund, and there's always a player ambassador. And that was Brock Holt. And he gave his all to it so much that even when he was at in Milwaukee, he was still doing stuff for the Jimmy Fund as well as adopting a Milwaukee charity. 
So he's he's that giving kind of guy. He's that spirit kind of guy. He has the most adorable son in the world, Griffin, who if you follow his Instagram, you'll see a lot of because he's an up and coming ball player and he's just so cute. And there is another little baby Brock Holt on the way. I think it's going to be a girl. I don't think that she's born yet. But that was one of the things with the opting out this year that I think Brock was one of those people who maybe would have had he not been a so vulnerable. I mean, his wife's pregnant. He knew that he was very tenuous going over to the Brewers. So I'm I'm super happy he's landed with the Nats. I think that this is going to be a good fit and I hope he stays. I don't know what the deal is, honestly. He's also going to fit personality-wise because the yeah. Nats have a lot of fun in the dugout and today at the game, I don't know if you caught this part, but they they did the sort of salute video to Brock on, on the big screen and yeah. he came out of the dugout to do a curtain call in front of the cardboard cutouts. <laughs> and then he was waving his arms around like, Oh no, Oh no, that's enough. Oh please. Oh please. No more. He was hilarious. So um, I think he's going to fit in beautifully. Absolutely. Absolutely. Hey, talk about another awkward segue. COVID COVID-19 is time for the report. It's the science report with Patty. As we tell you every week, the uh, the league publishes their their week's report of testing and results. They publish it on every Friday to reflect the previous week through the past Thursday. So this past Friday, they said we have the monitor testing we did covered 12,276 samples. Not one player tested positive. Wow. In that period, two <sighs> staff members from the same organization, they didn't see which, did test positive. Everybody played on Saturday. All the teams played yesterday. We're recording on Sunday. Everybody played Saturday for the first time in a long time. Wow. And then today, somebody on the A's, we don't know if it was a player or a coach or whatever, at the time of when I took the notes, had a positive test. Really? I had so, no clue. So today's game in Houston was postponed. They had already played the rest of the series, so they just didn't play this last game. And the A's are now isolating in Houston while they're doing another round of testing and contact tracing before they go back home. They have a day off tomorrow, which is useful. Now, last wow. week we said that Houston's alternate training site got shut down because they have somebody there tested positive and they had to do a deep cleaning and do contact tracing. It opened up again and then shut down again. Oh, so no. it happened again. And weirdly, they're saying that they're looking for a different site. And I really don't think it's the site's fault. Like, does it matter? Would moving to a different, they even said, maybe we'll go to Minute Maid Park. I'm like, well, you can't because that's where the Astros there. <laughs> play. And the whole point is you have to be in a separate area. So I'm not quite sure what's happening there. But Houston's alternate site shut down again. So that means that Houston doesn't have people to call up if they have well, issues, right? While that site is shut down, that is true. Well, you know what else is going to happen in Houston, apparently. According to Jeff Passan, um, and, and he said himself that this isn't written in stone, but it sounds pretty probable, is that they're going to be one of the bubble sites for the playoffs. So finally, Major League Baseball realized that all these other sports are doing much better with the bubble system, and playoffs are a big deal. So maybe we should lock it down a little bit for the playoffs. And they're looking at the National League being in Texas between Houston and Arlington. And the the Rangers knew like that that looks so ugly. It's like a hangar, like a I don't know. But apparently that they're both bubbles, also like literally, you know, they're covered. So there's that. At least they won't have any weather issues. And then the American League being between L.A. and San Diego. So I don't fascinating. Know. All right. I'm going to share this with you because I bet you haven't seen any of this because they both happened in Ohio, and you know that's my job. Yeah. Some ballparks, like, say, Nats Park, don't have cardboard cutouts. They have giant tarps with advertising on them. Some places have both, but some just focus on the, the tarps. So you may remember from our visit to the All-Star Game that the ballpark in Cleveland is Progressive Field. That's Progressive Insurance with, you know, with Flo as the spokesperson. Oh, they, yeah. They changed up their tarp advertising, and it is freaking hilarious. They are leaning into the sponsorship big time. So all over the outfield, they have they have one big tarp that's progressive, and then they have other tarps that's act that are actually pictures of Flo holding up a mitt and leaning back as if she's trying to catch the home run being hit to her. 
Oh, power tour. Giant. She's awesome. So there's like three of those. So they're hilarious and they're wonderful. And then <laughs> the Cincinnati Reds have something similar, but much more low key. Apparently um, they have an ad for Charmin toilet paper and they have the Charmin bear who is Aww. holding up a mitt, which I noticed because um, Winker of the Reds hit a home run that landed on the mitt of the Charmin bear. <laughs> In the outfield. So you know what? If you're if you're gonna have the the ads, at least make them engaging. And I thought that was super fun. Absolutely. I mean, I always love the Skittles for the gnats. Well, that yeah, that's for the tarp though. Yeah, yeah. Right? That's yeah. Okay, so it's a different tarp. Yeah, no, these are the ads over the seats. Like they, they have uh, them spread out over the seats big, in the outfield. Yeah. It's because they you know they don't have cutouts out there, so they're actually selling that space as advertising space. So they're covering up big sections of seats with these tarps that are advertising. That's making a lot of lemonade out of lemons there. That's right. Taking advantage of that that key space. That's so awesome. So this week, we are bringing you another special, couple of special guests. We have more kick-ass women baseball podcasters. Last week, we had Angela and Liddy from Hell's Bells. And this week, we are bringing you from Cuppa Cubby Blue, the Cubs podcast, Sarah Sanchez and Andy Cruz Vanasek. Thank you guys so much for joining us today. Thanks for having us. Yeah, thanks for having us. When we uh, when we usually have guests on, the first thing that we ask about is your connection to baseball. Because so, could you each give us your elevator pitch of how you are connected to baseball? Well, I'll go ahead and go first. So. Uh- I think our stories are very similar, but I come from a very long line of Cubs fans. I grew up two hours west of Chicago. Um, My grandpa on both sides, actually, my dad, my mom, um, all my sisters. I mean, everybody are Cubs fans in my family. So it was basically in my blood when I was born. I mean, I remember games as young as five and six years old. Um, My best baseball memory and that one that kind of makes me laugh and people chuckle at a little bit is um, my dad who passed earlier this year and I went to a game when I was very young and I think it was the whole family, but I just specifically remember this conversation with my dad and the Cubs were playing the Astros and it was, we were there of course when the gates opened and um, the pitcher was warming up and my dad's like, go down there, get his autograph. He's going to be huge. He's going to be a really awesome pitcher. You're going to want his autograph. I was so chicken. I was like, no, I can't do it. I mean, I was probably, gosh, I don't even remember how old I was, maybe like seven, eight years old, somewhere around there. And my dad's like, you're going to, you're going to be mad at yourself if you don't do it. Well, turns out it was Nolan Ryan pitching and oh my I God. did not get his autograph, <laughs> oh. but, but my dear friend and, and co-partner here in podcasting land, Sarah made sure, and a group of our friends, Cup fan friends, made sure that I got an autographed baseball and Nolan Ryan when my dad passed. So st- turns oh, out oh, I got it beautiful. just uh, quite a few years later. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. So that's kind of where my whole thing, everything that really revolves around sports in my life comes from my dad. I totally know that feeling. And it's and it's beautiful to have that memory and to have that symbol. And oh, my God, to have such good friends to be able to do that. I can't even imagine what you guys they, went through. They definitely nice yeah, work, they Sarah. Hear me. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. And when I got the day that I got that, I will never forget the day that I got it because it was so unexpected. And it was one of those things I just... I think it was over Memorial Day weekend when I got it. Um, and I just, I think I cried for a day straight. And I it sits, yeah. like, where I sit in my room, there's a huge picture of my dad, and it sits right next to it. So it's, like, one of those things that I'll I'll never forget, and I'll cherish it as long as I live. It's awesome. I need to collect myself after that. Every time she tells a story, <laughs> she cries. I'm sorry. Um, I saw you, Sarah. No, I'm I, like, oh, God. Sorry, Sarah. <laughs> no, I'm okay. I'm okay. Uh, no, I, I mean, I grew up in a baseball family. I remember playing wiffle ball in the living room with my dad and brother before I could tell you the name of a team. Um, and my mom made us move that game out to the yard when we were about four because um, we started hitting the ball hard enough that she was worried we were going to break something. But I also like grew up in a family that said girls didn't play baseball. So I learned all the stuff that you were supposed to do that you could do that wasn't playing. Like I operated the hand scoreboard and left. I learned how to keep score and kept the official scorebook. I did all the stats for the all-star team. By the time I was in like junior high, I would um, occasionally take the mic from like the play-by-play person who was doing that for the little league games or the Babe Ruth games. Um, So that's kind of, 
where I've been most of my life. I mean, as far as like professional teams go, I, I happened to catch the Sandberg game when I was, I must have been like four years old. So I was not very like old enough to understand anything other than that guy is winning and I like the Cubs and I just stuck with it because I'm super stubborn. So that happened to work <laughs> out really well since I live like five blocks from Wrigley Field now. But the Cubs was really just kind of an accident of who was on TV that day and the fact that I could watch them every day. That's so cool. We have very similar stories. I, Pat, my favorite story about Patty is that you were third base. Was it third base or first base? What base? It was were third you? base. I am. Okay. Um, I have three older siblings that are very close together in age. There's ten years and then me. So my mom used to assign the babysitting job after school to like a different kid every day while she was, she said making dinner. I kind of think it might've been happy hour. I don't know. I can't, you know, confirm or deny, but in the nice months, um, the neighborhood was playing baseball out in the street. And as long as I was there, I was the stroller as third base. So, and then I married a third baseman and then I gave birth to a third baseman. So it's a whole long line of things really. Yeah. <laughs> Sarah, real quick. I want to know the chicken and egg thing. So you live in Wrigleyville. So what came first? fandom or location? I, I was a Cubs fan long before I lived anywhere near here. I actually grew up in rural Utah and I'm one of those millions of Cubs fans that invades every other park because we could watch the Cubs on WGN and so we are, we are everywhere. Um, and when there are fans in baseball parks, the Cubs always show up really well because there are people in Utah and Arizona and New Mexico and South Dakota and all over the country that could watch Cubs games on WGN and listen to Harry Carey call everything. So I um total accident that I happen to live here now. I moved here for a career. Actually spent like six years in Boston in the interim. That's a whole different thing. But so I went from like oh, Utah yay. to Boston to Chicago for work. And yeah, I just happened to be like, well, if I'm going to live in Chicago, I'm going to live by Wrigley. So good choice. So this has been a huge, huge week in the world and also in the world of baseball. And we want to keep this conversation pretty much Cub focused. So I hope you guys will talk about the racial justice events of this week as it relates to what happened with the Cubs and kind of give us your take on all of this. It was it was big and it, it was it was really a thing. I'm just gonna say it was really a thing. So I'll start since I wrote about this and I know Andy has tons to say too, but I am, and, and I'll be as, I'll be as charitable as possible here and also point out that this is the most disappointed that I have ever been with the Chicago Cubs as a fan. And I mean that mm, both on wow. the field and off the field. I mean like every game that like we botched in some playoff broken hearted fashion. I mean like every signing Milton Bradley, Addison Russell, Araldis Chapman looking at you, this was worse. And the reason this was worse is because this wasn't like the front office or the ownership or bad luck in October. This was the players sort of faced with a decision. And in my opinion, they just made the wrong one. And there's been a lot of apologetics around baseball media this week trying, and I'll explain the background in a second, trying to explain this away. But I, I just want to call that out for what it is. I think those are people trying to make things sound better than they do. And, and it's, there's just really no sugarcoating this one. So um, on Wednesday, as the Bucks said, they weren't going to play in game five of the NBA playoffs. And the Brewers were asked like during a pregame press conference, if they were going to play, it's Josh Hader of all people, like Josh Hader. Yeah. Unreal. That killed me. Yeah. During the All-Star game, got like called out for me, like terrible tweets that he had sent out when he was admittedly yeah. like a teenager, but like still horrible things he had said. And Josh Hader's like, well, I'm sure there's going to be a conversation about it. And by all accounts, um, and my account came specifically from reading Tom Hodricourt's writing, so I just want to give credit where it's due. The Brewers kind of like did a team huddle in their locker room and they were like, look, we've been wearing the shirts. We're not playing. Like, and it was unanimous and it was quick. It was just wow. like, this, we're not going to do this. Um, and Ryan Braun and Josh Hader and Christian Yelich all said, we felt like it was really important for us to do more than just wear a t-shirt that says justice. I think their t-shirts say justice, equality now or something like that. It's not a Black Lives Matter shirt, but really doesn't matter exactly what the t-shirt says. The point is that they understood that they had to do something more than wear a t-shirt. So as this is going down, the Cubs happen to be playing the Tigers and the Brewers decision comes out literally like 30 minutes to game time. So if you imagine what this looks like, Jason Hayward, the entire team is dressed. Um, John Lester and Wilson Contreras are probably not even 
in the clubhouse. They're probably already out on the field doing long toss. And Jay Hay is texting with some of the other members of the Players Alliance. Um, specifically, I think he mentioned Mookie Betts in an interview, and they were all just kind of like, we're not going to play, right? Like, we shouldn't play. And so Jay Hay went to David Ross's office and said, I feel really strongly that I shouldn't play. I want to explain to the guys why. And then, and as he explained it to them, he was sort of like, no, no, you all play, but I have to do this. And if anyone else feels like they have to do that, you can, but like, this is a me thing. You all can go play. Now, the problem with this is that like, wow. that is not yeah, what that's... that means. <laughs> what that means is right. that if you, that you get your teammates back and you say, no, no, we're not letting you sit this out alone. This is important to us too. And we're not going to mm-hmm. play But for whatever reason, and and I'm not going to speculate as to who stood up, who didn't stand up, whatever, they didn't do that. Um, There are accounts that multiple players went to David Ross's office and said, I feel uncomfortable playing if Jason Hayward isn't going to play. And it was sort of like, no, no, he said we should play, so we're going to play. And I was just furious. Like the second that the amended lineup came out that said Jason Hayward is a healthy scratch, I was like, look, uh, if the rest of this team does, if the rest of this team doesn't also sit out, I'm not watching this game. And I didn't. I actually like, are, stayed up and wrote an article about it. Are there any um, quotes by David Ross directly? Because I, of course, adore him, and I was, you know, super excited for him to be manager. And and with that concept that he would have more of a real connection with the players, like he seems like somebody who can really identify from him. Are there any like direct statements from him how he reacted to this? That you've um, seen. So his post-game press conference, he's actually near tears talking about this. Like it was clearly wow. very he emotional. Was, he for was him. crying. Um okay. it was also for Rizzo yeah. too. Rizzo was clearly very upset in his post-game co- post-conference too. So I, I don't want to throw everybody under the bus like they just didn't get it at all. Yeah. But they made a bad decision. And and I'm gonna only speak from this is me projecting like what I think was going on in Ross's head. Um, I taught for seven years and as part of that, I ran a debate program. And so I know a little bit about building a team and like sticking together and all of that type of stuff. There are certain things that your team has to come to the conclusion of on their own that you can't dictate as the manager or the front office. Right. And so I really feel like even if David Ross would have sat, he didn't. Right. Like the the team didn't like this. This is what I I just cannot stress enough. They just didn't make the Mm -hmm. right decision. They had a historic moment at their feet. The right decision was made, in my opinion, by the Dodgers two hours later and the Padres two hours later and the Mariners two hours later. And there were a handful of even the Red Sox. Well, the Red Sox made the right decision the next day. Right, right, with the next group of folks. But this is sort of like where the whole tiny East Coast, West Coast thing Mm -hmm. gets in the way. But I will say that, like, you know, a handful of teams just botched this. The the Cubs botched this, in my opinion. The Cardinals botched this. They let Dexter Fowler and Jack Flaherty sit on their own. And the Rockies are the most interesting one because they let Matt Kemp sit on his own the first night. But the second night, they were like, no, no, just kidding. Like, we're going to sit with you. And I was like, okay, well, it's kind of weird. But... So it, it was disappointing here in Wrigleyville, at least for me, and I believe for a lot of other fans too. And I've said way too many words about this. I'm going to turn it to Andy. Oh, there's a lot of words. Andy, do you have more words on it? Uh, oh, I always have more words on that. Oh, that's good. Um, put all the yes, words out. This is definitely something that I feel very strongly about. Um, you know, I, I post about this and probably argue on every social media outlet you can imagine on a daily basis, just because I feel so strongly about it. And, you know, the thought when you're watching your team and the opportunity they have and the platform that they have and the amount of um, the audience size that they have, the thought you all, you always want to think the best. You always want to think mm-hmm. that the team is going to do the right thing or at least attempt to do the right thing. And they just got this so wrong, like so wrong. And like when Sarah and I recorded, I, I made the comment, they could have had five minutes to make the right decision. I don't care if it was 30. I don't care if it was two hours. I don't care. There's no conversation that needs to be had. Jason Hayward, one of the leaders on this team, a man that has been, you know, in the ups and downs of this team, you know, helped bring a world series to the the city has done so much for his teammates has been so much to his teammates. He's a leader. He's a leader in the players Alliance. There is no conversation that needs to be had. It literally needs to be guys. I'm not playing. I really want you to play end of story. Everybody else puts their hands up and says, you know what? You're right. We're not playing. 
you can tell us to play all you want, but you're our guy. You're our, our person. You know, we're shoulder to shoulder with you every day. You feel strongly about this. We should feel strongly about this. This is not, you know, it, 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 yes, it, it's a black thing for him. It's, it was personal because he's black, but it should be something that they all felt personal about because it's affecting everybody. It's affecting their teammate. You know, it just, to me, they just got this so wrong and it was very disappointing and to just kind of mm-hmm. let it go yeah. like that, like at least a lot of the teams the next day, you know, sat, they thought about it. They had time to think about it. They sat, the Cubs didn't even do that. Like well, you could have done uh, that. Right. They were off that day. They were off Thursday. So um, they wouldn't have had to sit but, on Friday. And at that point, the momentum had kind of, but you're right. They could have like tried to, they could have sat on Friday. Or you think know, of something and, else to do. Or think right, of some right. way to make there a was, statement. There was a million different things they could have done to at least, you know, in, in my mind, you, you lost, you lost your chance. You dropped the ball. There was your stage. You had a moment, you know, the Chicago Cubs are, are, uh, they get a lot of national attention for things that they do. They had the mm-hmm. opportunity to do something big, to be some, to be the Dodgers, to be, you know, they had that opportunity and they completely blew it. And disappointment is not even the right word. I mean, it was like, it was really heartbreaking Still, when I think about it, it's something it's going to be very hard to swallow for a long time. Forgive my my lame memory, because I know, uh, Patty, you chose Jason Hayward as your boyfriend, baseball boyfriend this year, last year, last year, uh-huh. last year. And it was because he is was he the rainy day speech, the rainy, the rain yes. delay speech? Yes. And, and let me tell you why this is huge for me. I'm a Cleveland girl. All right. That killed my team. I'm, yeah. I'm to blame it on the rain delay and not on Jason Hayward. <laughs> I'm so impressed with Jason Hayward all the freaking time. That was just one of the reasons. And I'm impressed with him about this. And I'm, I am also heartbroken, even though it's not my team. But yeah, this, was, this could have been such a symbol. And it was blown. Yeah, and that just makes it even worse. When you feel like a team owes a player because they have been so important. You know, they've been that guy in a clutch situation. Then you, you rally around them, especially in today's circumstances where there is so much need for people to speak out. So I, I totally get this. And this is something that we grapple with a lot on our podcast. And that's how do you deal with being a fan of a team and a diehard fan? Like I'm third generation Red Sox, right? I feel like it's in my blood. I feel like it's my connection to my dad, to my granddad. I've got Red Sox shit all over the house. But we all know that the Red Sox have fucked up a lot, like a a really decent amount of time recently. And there's some stuff about them uh, recently. So how do you guys feel about dealing as a fan when players screw up? And so we're looking at the team. We're also looking at stuff like um, Schwarber, right? With with the the was it the cops hat? Yep. Yeah. Or Addison fucking Russell, as we like to call him. You know, so when you have that presence on your team, and, and I'm dealing with Verdugo now on the Red Sox, how, how do you guys reconcile? What's your strategy around that? Well, I mean, it's <laughs> it's definitely something we talk about and something we have to kind of find our own personal peace with, I guess you could say. Um, the Addison Russell thing, we, and I wish I could call him what you call him, but <laughs> I have <laughs> vowed to to the people around me that I would not speak the way I normally speak on podcasts. So um, <laughs> in my head, he's called much worse than Addison Russell. But um, the Addison Russell thing, you know, Sarah and I obviously dealt with that on a very, um, you know, it was a very deliberate way that we dealt with that because we have strong feelings about it. But at the same time, you know, we're on a podcast, we have an audience, no matter how big or small. So you have to, you know, obviously we're allowed to have the opinions we have, but what we're, what we say about him is another thing. So, um, Mm -hmm. you know, it's hard because for us, well, I'll speak for me, for me, it was, I cheered for the Cubs. I wanted the Cubs to do well, but I would not cheer if he hit a home run that gave us a win. I would be happy that they won, but I would never cheer for Addison, you know, and it was Mm -hmm. a very slippery slope because obviously, ultimately, you're cheering for one in the same. But, you know, you know, in your mind that I would never, ever defend him. Cardinals fans would come at us about him. Never would I defend Addison Russell. I'd like, listen, we're on the same page on this. I will never defend him. Mm-hmm. Um, so things like that, you know, make me feel a little bit better that I'm obviously, I don't care that he wears our uniform. I'm not going to defend him to, you know, to any amount of, of the word. It just, it, it didn't make sense. He was not somebody I, 
I ever wanted to deal with. So when he was gone, needless to say, there was a lot of parties being thrown in Cubs fans' homes. So <laughs> I can imagine. Yeah, that was yeah. that was good. The Kyle Schwarber thing, I think, is a little bit different because um, it, yeah, it, it didn't sit well with me. And I know there was quite a few Cubs fans that it didn't sit well with. And it made me look at him a little bit differently. But I understand because he does a lot of work with charities with, um, you know, supporting them and, and, he he's trying to, I think, make everyone happy. And, uh, you know, I'm kind of what I would assume the thought process is because, um, you know, he's he's obviously a, a great teammate and, and people think highly of him. And he has done a lot of work for for, you know, the neighborhoods of Chicago and, and that sort of thing. So it's hard to you know speak out very much about that because it, I, and I don't think that very many people really it wasn't as um as large of an issue, I think, with Cubs fans as it probably could have been. Um, I definitely noticed it. And like I said, it didn't sit well with me, but it's not something that I'm going to, you know, go crazy with because just because I feel one way about one thing does not mean that I feel am anti the other way, you know? Mm -hmm. So, um, so that, that part, I don't, I don't really fight that battle as much because I think that one is, you know, excusable, I guess you could say. I mean, I'll, I'll agree that they're two different things. I'll say this about Addison Russell. I've written tens of thousands of words about Addison Russell. Um, I covered every second of that whole story. It was not great for my mental health. Oh, <laughs> I mean, I'm so sorry. Like, I'm just That's like, it, it was hard to write about. Like, I'm not going to sit here and pretend it was like, oh, yeah, like we're just like writing up yesterday's game. Um, when he came back, I happened to be at that game and I just, I, the way I described it in a piece I wrote was just that, like, I I didn't boo. I didn't cheer. I just didn't react. I just felt like I wanted to be small and quiet and non, like, if I could just not react, it may, might just go away, which is so similar to the way, like, millions of women and people who are in abusive relationships right. feel. And I just... It just felt terrible. It felt terrible to feel that way at Wrigley Field. I didn't take any joy from the people who booed him. It didn't give me any great measure of like, oh, yes, everybody hates him to like hear that. It also just didn't give me any joy to hear people like raucously cheering for him as if as in response to that. It just felt so divisive. Um, the Schwarber thing, I think, is actually something different. And it's something... I don't deal with as much in Chicago, but I do deal with with family members back home because like I mentioned earlier, I'm from rural Utah and like most of my family lives either in Utah or in rural New Mexico. And it's like not particularly progressive places. I mean, New Mexico is more liberal, I guess, than Utah, but I wouldn't say progressively so. Um, and there's just a huge education gap <laughs> between some people and other people on issues of race, on issues of policing, on issues, you know, like to this day, I have family members that will come to me with things like when, when these issues come up and they'll be like, but what about your dad's friend? Who's a cop? And I'm like, okay, right. I, I know that guy. I know Hector. He's a great guy. I, I've known him my whole life. Like, I'm not saying that Hector is a bad guy. I'm also not saying <laughs> that like, we're just going to like accept all of policing because this guy, one guy I know is like, does a good job with his job, right? Like, and I also know that like that dude was doing like dare work when I was a little kid. And now I look at that work entirely differently than I did when I was six years old. Like when I was six years old, I thought it was cool work that my dad's friend did. And now I look at it and I'm like, wow, that is like the whole program was super messed up. You know what I mean? Oh yeah. <laughs> I have the luxury of, I don't even know how many graduate classes and PD opportunities and people who have taken time to educate me on some of those issues so that I can see how problematic it is to wear a, you know, cop's hat with a Black Lives Matter shirt. And I just don't know that all, all of these people have the luxury of that education. And that that's not to excuse the moment. Like, we should absolutely call it out. We should mm -hmm. say, hey, this isn't right. We should talk about it and explain why, because otherwise people will just keep doing stuff like that. But it's just a fundamentally different thing to me than like the Addison Russell thing. Although, again, disappointing. Like the theme of 2020 is if you thought you were at peak disappointment, 2020 <laughs> is not over yet. Right. 
Hold, Hold my, my beer. beer. Hold my beer. <laughs> Cheers. We like to say. So I'm just going to put a quick pin right now because I think we have a chunk that we're going to put in this week's episode. So I'd like quickly for you guys to each just sort of say how to contact you. And then, folks, we have at least one more really big question that Patty's about to ask. So the rest of this interview will drop in a couple days after you hear this one. So how can we find you guys? Uh, I am BCB underscore Sarah on Twitter. And Andy and I are both, our podcast is at Cuppa Cubby Blue. So like Cuppa, like C-U-P-P-A. Um, so you can have your, you know, well, we don't release daily. We release a couple of times a week, basically every series. So like your periodic Cuppa Cubby Blue with your morning whatever. <laughs> nice. And I am on Twitter at Briz, B-R-Y-Z underscore blue, B-L-U-E. Thanks again to Andy and Sarah from Cuppa Cubby Blue for joining us today. And to hear the rest of the conversation, just wait a couple of days and we'll have a special episode dropping for you. It's time for that international baseball update because you know I am still hanging out in the mornings with my breakfast baseball in Taiwan. CPBL, I was all excited. Well, I am still excited. Lions are still, that's my team, still in first place, barely. The Fubon Guardians are a half game back and the Monkeys are two and a half games back. The Brothers are three games back. This was a very exciting weekend with some games with the Lions versus the Monkeys. And actually, Patty, the guy that I've been trying to set you up with, Nunu, the first baseman, who we talked about last week because he got knocked in the face. He, he took a bad bounce to the face. We were very concerned about him. He hadn't been playing. He came back today in the fucking 12th inning. Oh, my God. So it, the, this is at the Lions. Lions versus Monkeys. The series was one and one coming into this. And you know that after 12 innings in the CPBL, it's a tie. Nunu comes up top of the 12th and hits the go-ahead home run. Oh, yeah. And I think I, I, I'm going to say this, like, with what, what do you say? Lie with specific uh, facts? Lie with exact of, figures. There we go. I'm going to do that and say that it was his first uh, at back back after getting smacked in the face, because I, th I think that's true, but I haven't been paying quite enough attention to say that authoritatively. But despite the fact of the monkeys winning today after that long drawn out game, lions are still in first place for the second half of the season, which bodes well for both of us, because if they hold that, then we win our bet with Clive. Everybody go back a couple episodes if you don't know what that means. Um, the reason why I had chosen the Lions of my team, Josh Renicky, and we had said the word Renicky, or I had earlier in this podcast because his uncle is the manager of the Red Sox. Um, he had been there for three years and he's been doing really well. And I was super excited that he's going to be part of the pitching force to carry the Lions forward. But apparently he has an elbow in injury Oh, and no. he is actually, as we are speaking, I think, on his way back to the United States. And he's 38 years old. So they're thinking this might be it. Although the word is out from um, CPBL stats, definitely an account to follow out there. He said that the CPBL is looking at him as maybe being a foreign scout. Oh, so yeah, excellent. So okay, that could be a good fit for him. I am very sad to lose him. Mitch Lively, who is one of the foreign players for the brothers, and when we say foreign, that's for them, so therefore it's U.S. born. Although I'm not sure if Mitch, I think he's U.S. I don't know if he's Canadian. He also went home, but resigned for 2021. So I don't quite know what that's about because the brothers have a ticket to the playoffs because they won the first half of the season but apparently they're doing it without Mitch Lively, who is not only really fun and good on the field, but he did some announcing as well. And that was really fun to see. Uh, the Lions do have some pitching to fall back on. I am confident, hopefully, about Brock Dykeshorn, and I believe that I got the right pronunciation there. There's really no good way to pronounce There's that name. Really. And and the Lions have are doing this thing with, foreign players meaning u.s players with really difficult last names because the guy who <laughs> debuted yesterday is teddy stankowitz stankowitz that's not hard yeah, it's not hard well you're polish <laughs> that's i got i got a little eastern european sure stankowitz. all right i'm gonna call them teddy brock and and tim tim melville i can i can handle and the CPBL average for those who are keeping track is three and a half hours this year three hours 31 minutes 
So watch that breakfast baseball because you don't have to get up there early. You're going to catch some at the end. In Korea, I just want to say that we need to follow the example of the Koreans. The umpire crew for the Tigers Heroes game was sent down to the minors. And I think we've talked about this before. And I just think that's they had two blown calls and they the whole crew gets sent down for retraining. I mean, that's fair. It's not like you you get put in timeout. You get sent down to practice your skills until you are ready to come back to the big boys game. As they say, so you have a few things to work on mm-hmm. and you'll be back. Yeah. Uh, my dinos are still in first place. Thank you very much, even though I'm not paying attention to them with the heroes, just a game and a half behind. Wyverns, 26 and a half games behind. The bottom of the barrel is the Eagles, 31 and a half back. I do not think they're going to make the playoffs. It's, call it like I'm going out of limb there, but I'm gonna I'm gonna say that right now. I don't know. You sure you want to be committed to that? My goodness. So this week is going to be kind of a shit show for Potty Mouth. So my goal is huh. to be there for her to like you know be be support from you know across town, a socially distant support um, as as you know distance learning starts to happen and. My job number two, that's not my paying job, is to get a handle on all the trades that are going to happen because um, the trade deadline is actually the day after we record. And a lot happened already today. But next week, we'll come back and kind of give you the highlights of all the things that went on. I'll give you a hint. Mitch Moreland went to the Padres, which is how Potty Mouth's Red Sox boyfriend got to play. In the meantime, in all your spare time, please feel free to listen to some older episodes. Tell your friends about the podcast if you think they'd like to hear us talk about baseball. Uh, Leave us a review or a rating if you are so inclined. And find us on social media. Talk to us on Twitter at NCIB Podcast, Facebook and Instagram at No Crying in B-Ball. And please wear your masks, stay inside, wash your hands, fight the man. And until next week, say goodnight, Potty Mouth. Goodnight, Potty Mouth. <laughs>